first of all, we're going to have a little trip. We're going to go interstate from here in the peninsula. We're going to go to Orange, which is one of the, uh, the well, one of the cool climate regions that isn't always well known down here, but makes some fantastic wine. One of the one of the people involved is from Brangain of Orange, mm. David Hoskins, on the line now to have a chat to us. Morning to or good afternoon to you, David. Yeah, good afternoon. Yeah. So, uh, very, very interesting. Apart from a general interest we've got in uh, the, the Orange region down here, um, I, I suppose you came to our attention when you uh, picked up a couple of top gold awards in the International Cool Climate Wine Show for your Cabernet and your Cabernet Blend. Uh, it, it, do, do you feel that's the, the one you're, you're most known for or, or not? I think um, the, the blend itself, which we call a Tristan, um, it's a triple blend, Cab Sauv, Shiraz and Merlot. Um, that is a wine we're well known for, and particularly in, in the orange area up here. Um, you know, it's a wine we've had going about 25 years now, and mm. um, um, it is a bit of a favourite. But um, um, I've always thought we've done Cabernet and Cabernet blends well. Um, but um, it's, it's, uh, the Cabernet variety is a particular favourite of mine. Mm. And it's pretty interesting too because uh, Cabernets over the year sometimes have uh, struggled to ripen properly in the cooler areas and uh, y- you've managed to do this one pretty well and it's, it's got plenty of awards. Uh, tell us a bit yeah. about the area, I guess, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it has done well. That, that vintage 2018 um, was a really nice one up here mm. and, um, um, yeah, everything kind of went well. Um, it's just, still one of those warmer years, but uh, uh, unlike the last couple we've had, um, but we had uh, warmth but enough water. It was sort of um, just before the drought hit and um, everything kind of went well that season and... Um, um, but not every year. Cabernet, as you say, can be uh, a bit marginal in climates like ours. Um, so um, you, you take the good ones when they come, and other years uh, um, it can be quite a struggle to ripen. Um, we can be picking them very late. Um, we picked uh, Cabernet this year in the first week of May, so um, mm. it's um, yeah a bit, a bit more of a lottery with that, that, that variety, I think. <clears throat> so uh, good afternoon, David. Um, so just just for our, for our listeners, sort of the region is west of Bathurst or the central west New South Wales. Um, for those who are, who are unfamiliar, um, what what are some of the key geographic features that influence uh, the orange wine region? Yeah, um, it is. It's just west of Bathurst, um, or about um, about three or four hours from Sydney, due west. Mm-hmm. Um, Orange um, itself is um, located up on a on a tableland, um, making it quite quite high in terms of elevation. Um, the town itself is about eight hundred and sixty metres above sea level, um, and um, just um, to the southwest of the town is a um, um, an old extinct volcano called Mount Canopolis. And mm. it, um, the top of Mount Canobles is about 1,400 metres. Wow. Um, a lot of the um, sort of land around uh, Mount Canobles is, um, um, I guess, benefits from its uh, volcanic origin. So it's a beautiful sort of um, basalt um, soils, um, deep, deep sort of loam um, soils, which are... Um, a really, really good, good farming country, and yes. um, 
it's been a it's been an orcharding region there for for well over a hundred years. Probably late eighteen hundreds, I think they first started planting orchards mm. when um, settlers, you know, realised what a great great sort of spot for for horticulture it is. So orchards being apples, <clears throat> apples, pears, a lot of cherries, cherries, yeah, um, some stone fruit as well. Great. Yeah, we find out down this way that, that Red Hill used to be a cherry area and uh, now it's more of a Pinot area, I guess, but it's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the cherries seem to be an indicator. If they all grow there, then it's, it's pretty good <laughs> for cool climate wines. That's right. Now, That's I've, right. Seen, I've seen photos of snow on the ground down wow. there. That, that's that, that's I don't know whether that is that an annual thing. You always get snow, or it, it depends where you are in Orange. Yeah. Um, our our um, we've got two vineyards, but the, the our vineyard, which is a bit higher, is um, just under a thousand meters, and right. uh, and we generally get a little bit of snow there every winter. Mm, interesting. Um, usually just a couple of centimeters, and it uh, melts melts pretty quickly. Um, last last year, just uh, before the June long weekend. Um, we had a, a really quite heavy fall. I think it was about um, 10 to 15 centimetres wow. and um, just wow. blanketed the whole countryside and probably the, probably the biggest fall of snow that Orange has had in in the last 20 or so years. And um, it's really quite quite nice to see because uh, with with warming climates, um, we're, we're seeing less of it, unfortunately. Sure. And so, I mean, it, it really is one of the highest and coolest grape uh, districts in Australia. Um how do the vines go? Obviously, they've shut down for winter, but how do they, how resilient are they in a snow event? Does it does it affect them at all? Uh, it doesn't uh, it doesn't affect them at all um, in the winter because they've shut down. As you yes. say, they've dropped their leaves. They're in hibernation. Um, the temperatures are not cold enough to to affect them. The, the ground is certainly um, doesn't get down to freezing levels. So. Sure. Um, but very occasionally, we'll get a get a snowfall or something. In um, in the spring, and um, that's, that's, that causes real problems. Absolutely, uh, wow! Probably probably worse than a frost because um, we had one back in two thousand and nine, and it was in November. Right, and, and November. And it, yeah, and it um, it caused all sorts of problems around um, the district, both for the orchards and and the vineyards. Um, it was right in the middle of flowering for us, and um, and certainly the, the the flowers on the grapevines. Do not like um, a bit of snow settling on them. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> uh, really, really affected um, pollination that year, and wow. um, we got a smaller crop as a result. Yeah. Yeah, the, d- down this way, October is fairly important. Just hitting October now, because we, we need a bit of sun around here to get to get the buds going and uh, get, get them all. Going. Is is it a similar time for you, or, or have you got a? a a, a wider window there on, on when the uh, pollination starts? Uh, I'd say it's quite similar. We might be uh, um, perhaps a tiny bit behind in terms mm-hmm. of when things start to happen. We're, we're just hitting sort of bug burst right at the moment, which right. is a little bit late for our area uh, compared to normal. But, um, yeah, over, over October, the, the first leaves are starting to emerge and... Um, Flowering for us is sort of typically happening in um, well into November, um, so um, key time for us. And, and yeah, as you say, we we love some some warmth and sunshine. Far too much rain at the moment. Absolutely. Um, and um, we also don't want want frost at the moment um, at this time of year. But um, um, I think with it being so wet, it's um, unlikely to be frosty. So, David, you, um, 
the the brand gain um, brand. Um, I mean, you guys produce wines from single vineyard grapes, um, preferring not to blend uh, between sites. Uh, what are some of the more distinct features of of your single vineyard wines? Well, um, yeah, we, we we own two separate vineyards, um, yes. and we have eight eight varieties that are planted across those two vineyards. Um, we um, we chose them um, deliberately to be of sort of differing elevations and differing. Um, Soils, um, just to get a bit of um, uh, diversification in in what we can do in yes. terms of what we can grow. Um, we we at our highest site, we've mainly got our whites, um, Sauvignon Blanc and Chardonnay Riesling. Yes, um, we've got some Pinot Meunier there as well. Interesting. Um, but uh, all our reds are at the lower site, which yes. is, is distinctly warmer. And um, and we certainly know from experience that um, we wouldn't be growing um, any of the, the heavier reds at, at that higher side. It was just it'd be just too cold. Yes. Um, soil soil is also important. Um, we've uh, got some slightly older soils on our second property, our lower property, where we grow our Shiraz, and um, that suits suits the Shiraz quite well because the um, Shiraz is such a vigorous variety. Mm. It really, really grows um, strong and hard and um, puts out enormous canes. And um, <laughs> I think if, if we put it on um, the better soil that we have elsewhere, um, I think we'd just have a, a real jungle. And, Too vigorous, um, yes. And, and the fruit wouldn't be as good either. Mm. So, um, so Fascinating. Yeah, so um, these days our, our biggest varieties are Chardonnay, Saint-Blanc and Pinot Noir. Mm. Um and gradually expanding our plantings of Pinot Noir, um, and um, we've also been um, just doubled our plantings of, of Riesling. Riesling's doing really well in the region. Great. This, but now we talked about the the Tristan, uh, which mm. is uh, the the blend Cabernet Shiraz Merlot. Uh, it got a top gold at the International Cool Climate Wine Show, but also picked one up at the Orange Show last year, I believe. It got a top gold there. And I think your Shiraz did as well. Yes, um, we, we did quite well with our wines last year at the, the, the local show, which was nice, but it doesn't often happen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but last year the, um, the the Cabernet and the um, the Shiraz picked up trophies there. Um, the, the Tristan didn't get one there, but it got one at um, the, the Bathurst. Um, Bathurst, cool right? Yeah. Yep. Um, and um, um, it's uh, that that Tristan blend is also we've been told picked up another trophy just recently, which. Um, I can't tell you which show it is because it's under embargo. But, um, <laughs> ah, right, yeah, right, yeah, right, okay. A bit of good news. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic, excellent. Now the um, you, you also got a gold last year, for, uh, or a top gold for the uh, Pinot Grigio, I believe. Yes. So yes. tell us a little bit about that wine. Well, that's um, that's a very um, very um, successful wine for us um, in terms of how much we sell. It's very popular in Sydney. Uh, great mm. summer sort of style. We we really try to make a, a real Grigio 
um, styled wine, and that's why we label it that way. You know, we pick pick the fruit a little on the early side, mm-hmm. and well, it's still got plenty of acid, and um, and the, and the biomes are not too high, and, and so it just um, produces this lovely, clean, fresh style of, of Pinot Gris, which um, um, yeah has these lovely sort of. Um, Aromas of particularly pear, crunchy, crunchy pear, sort of um, beautiful um, on the palate and aroma, and it's um, yeah, really, really well liked by our customers. Now, I, I notice with uh, some of the wines, and, and you'll know how you'll be able to put me on the right line here. But Simon Gilbert, who uh, does a lot of work in uh, Mudgee, he he's made a lot of the wines. Does he does he make all of your wines for you? With you? He does. He yeah. does. He's um, Simon's been a winemaker since we got into this. Um, so we were, we were fruit growers um, for many years. My grandfather bought our property back in the 1930s, and um, he and my father were orchardists. And, um, and then it was my father in the 90s who decided to change over to growing grapes. Mm. And um, so at that stage, we hired Simon as our winemaker and. Uh, 25 years later or more, we're, we're still still with him. Um, and um, it's been a really, really good um, long-term relationship. And um, he makes makes wonderful wines for us. And, uh, um, and um, yeah, we just uh, get on really well. Fantastic. So it's, um, mm. it's, a, it's a nice nice thing, I think, um, particularly when it comes to sort of where you outsource the, the winemaking um Often those relationships don't last that long, but um, ours has, and um, we we want it to keep going now. Um, particularly that Simon's son Will is in the business and and doing great things as well. Brilliant. Yeah, very very good. Now, I, I, just looking on your website there, you've also got some uh, a couple of Chardonnays. Clearly, one of them is in limited supply. It's members only, and I think your uh, your straight Cabernet might be in the same boat. But yes, <laughs> uh, the the Tristan and the which is yeah, the one we talked about, the red blend, and the yes. Isoldi's the reserve Chardonnay. Now, does somebody in your family is it your parents? I think must love Wagner because uh, <laughs> I'm sure they're involved in one of his operas. <laughs> yes, well, um, yeah, the the naming is all from my grandmother father's ah. side and she she came here in the 1930s and um named our property brangain and brangain is a character yeah. from an opera called tristan and azolda which was written by wagner yeah. and um i'm not so sure she was just a wagner fan but i think she was more just a really big opera fan and <laughs> um for some reason she wanted to name our property after a, an operatic character but um, for years, our, our property has been called Brangain, and when we were growing apples, it was called Brangain Orchards. And, and when we went into the into the wine business, we decided we wanted to use that name. And, and um, so we, we actually got an artist to to paint a picture for us, which sort of depicted a, a particular scene in the opera, and um, it's it's called the the love potion scene. And we wanted to sort of put this on our label, and um, it's it's basically a scene where Brangain um, is a she's she's a sort of a handmaiden to an Irish princess called Isolde, and um, in the scene Brangain is mixed some lo- a love potion um, for Isolde to drink, and and following that she Isolde um, falls in love with Tristan, who's a 
he's a knight from Cornwall. <laughs> and um, <laughs> that's, that's all part of that story. And the, the story itself is, is very old. It's sort of Arthurian legend. And, yeah. um, Fantastic. Um, so it's, it, it all comes up really well on this label and it's all done in a lovely sort of medieval fashion. So, well, so, so do you reckon the love potions, uh, the, the Chardonnay or, or, the, uh, <laughs> or the Cabernet blend, what are you, what, what you going to go well, with? In, in, the, in the painting, it's very much a red wine. Right. Um, <laughs> but um, actually, we, we, we often, we put it on our back label about rosé, and we say the rosé is a love potion. So, wow. Um, yeah, um, I think it um, can go go uh, go to any of the wines. <laughs> well, just on that, I, I mean, it seems you know, I mean, Chardonnay um, produces a, a wide range of styles, um, and it's not surprising that given the climate differences due to yeah. elevation, that there's different. There's so many. Uh, there's so much room to play with with varietals uh, in orange. We are lucky that way because the, um, the, the GI for orange, the geographical indication, is defined as the um, 600 metre elevation line mm. which, which encircles the town. So everything that's higher than 600 metres is in the, um, in the wine region. Right. Um, and 600 metres up to you know, basically 1,000 uh, where we've got vineyards right across that range means that there's a, a very large range of varieties that you can, you can grow in the region. Absolutely. And, um, um, these days there's a lot of um, really good things being done by people with um, uh, on the reds and the Italian varietals. Yes. And, um, the likes of Angolon. They've got some beautiful um, mm. Italian varietal range. And, um, there's, and there's more and more interesting... Um, and less uh, less common varieties sort of um, starting to um, pop up. Um, people are starting to plant, you know, gamay and things like that. Yeah. So it's, um, it's 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 good. It's it's always interesting what's happening in the region. It's exciting times. I think that's the the future of Australian wine at the moment in lots of different regions. Um, mm. So called alternative, but not really alternative. But a lot of Italian varietals and Spanish varietals um, being looked at in a new light. Um, Absolutely. Not just uh, you know the base for fortified wine, which is our colonial past. So yes. um, <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. Now I'm pretty sure that the uh, the the orange wine show's been on because uh, you sort of put back out you put out back our chat from last week because I think I think the show was on, and I'll, no doubt they'll be announcing uh, things soon. But. The, there's also a festival attached, isn't there, at, at Orange, and is a encouraging yeah, people to get that, there. It's just started. It runs for the whole month of October here in Orange, and um, basically there's um, a whole range of wine and food events right across the month. Um, mm. It started last Friday. They did a, a big sort of um, night market in the in the park in the middle of Orange, which um, is the usual way of starting the festival. And then um, there's um, lots of individual um, events put put on by producers. Um, the wine show itself holds a public tasting later this month. Mm. Um, and um, oh, we're doing a also doing a um, an event out at the, the Lake Canopus, right, right near the mountain, um, where we've got wine and food stations sort of right around the lake, and you can go on a walking tour. Oh, that sounds great. Wine and food stations along the way, and uh, mm. I think we're, we're trying to sort of um, um, show to people, show to visitors, um, you know, 
wines grown at um, varying sort of elevations in the region and, and, and how, how they show up. Yeah, and, and I guess um, if people are coming from, you know, the major capital, Sydney or Canberra or Melbourne, you'd, you'd be wanting to stay for a couple of days, so you'd want to have a few things on. Now, I understand you, for instance, there must be a rhododendron garden, is there, related to your winery, and uh, you can look at that and then have a taste. Yes, yeah, we, we, we open our garden. Um, we've got a lot of rhododendrons um, around uh, the family home, um, which my grandparents planted, and um, over time they've become really quite large. And so they've put on a, a really fantastic display of flowers um, right at the end of the month mm. each year. And um, so, um, yeah, we... We open the doors to, for people to come and have a look at that, and um, it's uh, it's quite a quite an impressive display. Now, if people were going to go there and um, go to Brangone and have a tasting, what what are some of the other local ones you might recommend that they they try during the, their stay in the Orange region? Um, well, we've got. Um, We've got some well-known names that you yep. can try. Um, um, Philip Shaw, um, yeah. Philip's one of the real pioneers of the region. Uh, he, he came here in well, the late 80s, I think, and scouted out some territory for, for Rosemount when he was working for them. And um, he's kind of never left. And um, so um, he's one of the people who put Orange on the map. Mm. Um, across the road from us, um, we've got a small um, producer called Colmar, which makes some fantastic... Um, Chardonnays and sparkling and Rieslings and Pinot Noir, really, really high quality producer there. Um, I mentioned before Angolong, I really like. Um, mm. They've got these wonderful sort of uh, range of Italian varietals, and their their cellar door is also um, located out at a lovely little village called Millthorpe. Mm. It's right right in the village, and um, um, you can go there and. Um, do some tasting, go to a restaurant, a coffee shop, or there's some lovely antique stores and stuff around there, and it's, um, um, yeah, a nice part of the world. Now, I, I believe uh, Ian Riggs uh, was the, the show judge. He, I don't know whether he did it this year, but I'm pretty sure he did it last year, and came. he used to be at Broken Wood. At first I was thinking my head Ben Riggs from uh, Adelaide area, but it's Ian, isn't it, from Broken Wood? Yeah, so uh, it, it's pretty well known uh, judge uh, to, to be a chief judge, which always helps the status of the show. I think. Yeah, we, we've been trying hard to get good quality judges mm. each year, uh, particularly the chair of the show, and um, and usually we've been able to get get some really good people along, and um, um, I think that. Um, that having a look at our wines and mm. um, for a lot of us the, the local show is very much just about um, you know some, some benchmarking against mm, okay. against your local competitors in a, in a friendly sort of way which is nice Orange is still small enough that it's all still pretty nice and friendly <laughs> it, is important to, um, <laughs> it is important to sort of uh, um, you know uh, get some outside um, feedback on how we're going and um so um, I, I like how they do the show here in Orange. I'd, now, I'd, I'd spent a day or two in uh, Hunter Valley earlier this year and uh, I was quite impressed by the connection between Hunter Valley and they get a lot of their fruit from the Orange area and I noticed first 
Creek, who have a really good Chardonnay, and I believe that was from your area. Pepper Tree and uh, Audrey Wilkinson's Merlot, which uh, was uh, quite well acclaimed um, when I was there, and uh, that's also orange fruit. So there is a pretty strong connection there. A lot of the the traditional Hunter Valley wineries are, are grasping fruit from the orange region. Yes, they're certainly um, out there looking for it each year now. Um, mm. I've sold some fruit, to, some Chardonnay fruit to First Creek um, a couple of years ago, and um, in particular, Tamburlaine is a oh, well-known yeah. organic brand from the Hunter. Um, these days, basically, all their fruit comes from here, and they're heavily invested in the region by buying um, some very large vineyards here. So interesting. Um, they're, they're, they're now the largest vineyard owner in in the region, Gee. Um, and um, and they seem to be doing very well with with their fruit um, and and the wines they make from them. Yeah, that that's I mean that that's one of the trends, and I just I mean the hunt is one of the places which does get affected dramatically by climate change in mm. the last couple of years, and uh, yes. it's interesting that that's one of the areas they're moving to is uh, you guys there in the Orange region. Yeah, I think that's a big reason for it. Um, the Hunter is, um, you know, one of the warmest, if not warm, warmest region mm. in the country to grow grapes, and mm. um, it also um, is a very sort of a volatile um, place to grow them weather-wise. Yes. Um, even in a normal year, <laughs> <laughs> um, I can understand people there wanting to wanting to look elsewhere to even at least sort of um, get some. Um, in a diversification yeah. in, in where their fruit's coming from. Absolutely. Great. Now, just before we let you go, David, uh, during the last few days of talking to uh, Paul White, who's the chairman of the International Cool Climate Wine Show, and he pricked up his ears when I said I was going to talk to uh, David from Brangain, and because he said, well, gee, one of the things they've been talking about is to try to get a, a, a tasting for the public from some of the lesser-known regions down this way. So Orange is one that springs to mind because he and I, have. Uh, any time we talk, we tend to end up talking about w- wines from Orange. That that could be really interesting because I'm, I'm not sure down our way, in, in Melbourne way, whether it's as well-known as it ought to be or as well-recognised as it deserves to be. Oh, it's not, for sure. Um, I mean, we'd, we'd love to have some more exposure down there i think um as a region mm. um it's uh i mean Brangain is currently not not selling in melbourne we we have done in the past and it sort of um comes and goes a bit but it's uh it is obviously further afield for us but um um yeah, i don't think um yeah our region is nearly as well known um down your way compared to say it is in Sydney. Yeah, I think um, you're right, and that's something we'd um, we'd certainly like to like to change. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll let that I'll let Paul <laughs> know that when when I see him uh, in, the, in the next uh, few days. Sure. David, it's been fantastic chatting chatting with you. Uh, really, really interesting place uh, in Orange. I suggest to people if they are up in New South Wales, make sure they get there. It's uh, certainly worth the effort uh, and. And clearly, drop into your place and drop into some of those other <laughs> drop into some of those other great wineries in the region. Yes, yes, we'd, we'd welcome welcome all comers. And um, I know you can, if you're heading to Brisbane or the Gold Coast, you can easily um, come by us on the way. That's not too bad. Yep. I think we're only about sort of seven and a half hours drive from from Melbourne. Correct. Um, That's not so, too bad. Um, yeah. It's not, 
Yeah. Not too bad. Hopefully when things dry out a bit and the roads improve, <laughs> not too many potholes, people oh. might come a bit more. We'll, yeah. come, we'll come and see you, Dave. We'll, we'll, we'll come we'll, and see you. I'll definitely go. Next time we next time we're up that way, I'll try to get up there once a year. I'll make make a, a special effort to, to, to catch up there, David. Really appreciated your time today. No trouble.